great legs. Thank you. How do you get them? I used to do aerobics till I dropped, but then I found this was a thing. Every single time you squeeze this was a thing, you strengthen and tone right where you need it. The secret to this was a thing is exercising these muscles with just the right resistance. You want to know the best thing to help cause resistance? The Thigh Master. We dive into the resistance and Suzanne. Suzanne Summers, that is. The Thigh Master. This week on This Was a Thing. I'm Ray. And you're listening to This Was a Thing, the podcast that dives deep into the cultural happenings of yesteryear. Now, today we're looking at the Thigh Master. This was a thing because when you have a product that works, the best way to sell it is to get a quirky salesperson. And who's the quirkiest Rob? Imogene Coca. Who's the second quirkiest Rob? Joyce DeWitt. Who's the third? But you're close. Who's the third quirkiest salesperson? Norman Fowl. Who's the fourth quirkiest? Quirkiest. Uh, let's Suzanne know. Suzanne Summers. That's right, folks. Suzanne Summers. God love her. Now, she seems like the only person that's ever been involved with the Thigh Master, but that's not the truth. It took the smarts of a businessman to get this quirky sales gal involved. Good thing for her, the timing couldn't have been better for her career wise. Now, the Thighmaster was actually invented by Anne-Marie Binstrom. Initially, it was called the V-Bar, and it was designed to be a physical therapy device. Now, Binstrom would go on to become a doctor of chiropractic and naturopath and was an early pioneer in the health and fitness movement. She was the first activity-slash-fitness director of the famous Golden Door Resort in Escondido, and she was celebrated in Sports Illustrated. Now, on top of the V-Bar, she also invented the Body Ball, which, as far as I could tell, a body ball is a yoga ball. So when I searched body ball, I found yoga ball. So she invented that as well. It is also the section I shop in at the Gap. Small, medium, large, body Body ball. ball. (laughs) Body ball. She started putting exercise and calisthenics to music, something she called Jumpin' Jiminy, now called Jazzercise. According to her obituary, both Raquel Welsh and Jane Fonda learned from her and built on her trailblazing techniques. Judy Shepard Missit created Jazzercise. I know. I don't know where Amelia Bedelia or whoever the hell you're talking about says she created it. Anne-Marie Binstrom? I don't know where Anne-Marie Bjornstrom said that she ever... Well, I think this might be the only podcast diving deep into Anne-Marie Binstrom. This woman is trying to take credit for Jazzercise, and I've done my research on Jazzercise, and Judy Shepard miss it, and she's the one who created Jazzercise. So get those filthy lies out of your mouth. Anne-Marie developed Jumpin' Jiminy... And I think it maybe just molded into jazzer size. Well, anyway, I will crush you with my body. Let's ball. give back. Let's get back to the V bar. Now it applied for U.S. patent in 1991, and it eventually was granted one 
1994. This is around the time that Joshua Reynolds took over the V-Bar. There aren't really any records of him taking the product over, but he sure gets credited with inventing it in multiple places which he did not. He did not invent it. There's an article from 1992 that says the product made its way into an ashram in Malibu where a group of investors discovered it. I know. An ashram in Malibu. That's probably BS. But Joshua Reynolds seems like the kind of guy who would go to an ashram to find the next big thing. Reynolds is an heir to the fortune of R.J. Reynolds, founder of R.J. Reynolds Tobacco Company, and they're most known for camel cigarettes. Joshua Reynolds was kind of an inventor himself. In 1975, him and Maurice Ambatz bonded liquid crystals and quartz stones set into rings. These would soon be known as mood rings. He invented the mood ring? He invented the mood ring. Initially, they retailed for $45 for a silvery setting and $250 for gold. Oh! But they were initially sold at Bonnet Teller, an upscale department store in New York. They quickly became a fad, and now you no longer have to shell out $45 for a silvery setting. You can get a nice chrome one. At Party World. Exactly. Not knowing what to do with the V-Bar, Reynolds changed the name to V-Toner and said it was a full-body toning tool. But he struggled to bring it to market. It was then that Peter Byler comes into the picture. Peter Byler was born in Canada and studied film in the U.S. He worked in marketing for companies like Procter & Gamble and then worked in production roles in film studios. And he eventually became a TV development executive. And he left that job to start his infomercial company, Ovation, in 1990. Now, he started Ovation because at the time, the Reagan administration had recently deregulated the length of television commercials. So the idea of infomercials was just coming to the scene and he wanted to be one of the first to do something big. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't realize it was the Reagan administration. It's crazy to think that the idea of the infomercial was strange and new in 1990. Mr. President, what would you like to cover first? The Cold War, the drug crisis, the AIDS crisis, poverty? Well, I, I told this to mommy last night, but I well, I'm, I'm a big fan of long commercials because it gives me a lot of time to get up and pee between uh, episodes of Family Ties. <laughs> Byler was having trouble finding the right product to make an infomercial for. That is until one day his accountant told him about a client that was trying to transform a product idea. That client was Joshua Reynolds, and they met. Now, Reynolds explained that he was promoting it as an all-purpose gym, but it wasn't selling. Byler looked at it and thought that it would be perfect for a thigh shaper. Now, he decided to license the product, which meant that he had exclusive rights, but still had to pay Reynolds royalties. So he was franchising from, uh, from Reynolds, essentially. Byler knew he needed a good-looking celebrity spokesperson to help sell the thigh shaper, and he thought of Suzanne Summers right away. Now, he had worked with her previously on a project and had her phone number, and Byler said, at that point, she'd left Three's company and her career had taken a little downturn. A little downturn. Enter Suzanne Summers. Let's go into the lady of the thigh master, shall we? Now, Suzanne Marie Mahoney was born in San Bruno, California on October 16th, 1946. Now, she was the third of four children and had a pretty rough childhood due to her father being an alcoholic. She got married at 19 to Bruce Summers in 1965, and they had a son, Bruce Jr., that same year, and that marriage ended in 1968. Now, Suzanne became a prize model on the syndicated game show 
anniversary game. It was a show that involved three married couples competing for points and prizes by performing stunts and answering questions. Classic. Now, the show was canceled in 1970, but Suzanne had met her future husband while working there, host Alan Hamill. Now, they married in 1977. She had some acting work, but her big career break came while starring on the sitcom Three's Company. Come and knock on our door. Come and knock on our door. We've been waiting for you. We've been waiting for you. With the kisses are hers and hers and his. Three's Company too. I have some trivia about the Three's Company theme song. Tell me. Okay, so in the opening shot of the Three's Company theme song, folks, John Ritter is on a bicycle and he's biking down Santa Monica Beach and this beautiful woman passes him and he looks at her and he falls off the bike. That woman is Suzanne Summers in a wig. Really? It is. How funny. After actresses Suzanne Zenner and Susan Laner, no relations to Suzanne Summers, failed to impress the show's producers during the first two test pilots, Summers was suggested by ABC president... Say it with me now. Fred, Fred Silverman. Silverman. He shows up on, I think, probably about seven episodes of This Was a Thing. He was a major force in television in the 70s and 80s. He had seen her on an appearance on The Tonight Show. Now, she auditioned and was hired one day before the taping of the third and final pilot was about to begin. She was cast as Chrissy Snow, a stereotypical dumb blonde who worked as an office secretary. The series co-starred John Ritter and Joyce DeWitt in a comedy of errors about two single women living with a single man who pretends to be gay in order to bypass the landlord's policy prohibiting single man sharing an apartment with single women. The program was an instant success in the rating. Summers became an audience favorite with the media proclaiming her as a show's breakout star and leading to her status as a popular sex symbol of the era. And she was generally credited for transforming the program into the worldwide phenomenon that it became. When Three's Company began its fifth season in the fall of 1980, Summers demanded a major salary increase from $30,000 to $150,000 in episode episode and a 10% ownership of the show's profits. Those close to the situation suggested that Summer's Rebellion was largely due to her husband Alan Hamill's influences. After ABC denied her a raise in salary, Summers refused to appear in the second and fourth episodes of the season due to excuses like a broken rib. She finished the remaining season on her contract, but her role was decreased to just 60 seconds per episode, her character only appearing in the episode's closing tag in which Chris he calls the trio's apartment from her parents' home. After ABC fired her from the program and terminated her contract, Summers sued the network for $2 million, saying her credibility in show business had been damaged. The lawsuit was settled by an arbitrator who decided Summers was owed $30,000 due to a single missed episode for which she had not been paid. Future rulings also favored the network and producers. Summers says she was fired for asking to be paid as much as popular male television actors of the day, such as Alan Alda and Carol O'Connor. Okay, so wait a minute. So now I would like to ask some questions if I may. How was her credibility damaged? She said, I want more. And they said, no. How is that? Well, how, how is that credibility issue? I'm sure there was stuff in the press saying that she was difficult and stuff. I mean, that's how it was. When, when a woman spoke out saying they wanted rights and the same rights as men back in the day, that was so easy to turn into, ah, that's just a broad. That's just a broad trying to talk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, uh, the only thing I'm, I kind of take a little bit of an issue with, regardless of gender, is she's mentioning Alan Alda and Carol O'Connor. Carol O'Connor was... 
at this time, I think, doing Archie Bunker's place. He was the he was the name. It was Carol O'Connor yeah. in all in the family well, yeah. Archie Bunker's place. And Alan Alda was on the most successful television show and had been with the show since the yeah. beginning and was a director and an executive producer on the show. Three's Company was an ensemble piece. And if there's a star of Three's Company, I'm sorry, it's John Ritter. I love the Don Knotts era, too. Oh, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a fan of the Don Knotts era of Three's Company without... Uh, it's. I really love Priscilla Barnes as the nurse that comes in at the end, Terry. And that's when Jack opens up a restaurant. He works for Mr. Angelino. I know a lot about this. I don't know as much as you about Three's Company. Oh, I love it. Before the feud with ABC and Three's Company's producers had ended, rival network CBS knew that Summers was ultimately going to be available. They signed her to a contract and a development deal for her own sitcom to be called The Suzanne Summers Show, in which she was to play an over-the-top airline stewardess. Basically, Chrissy Snow, but up in the air. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Once Suzanne became available after her firing from Three's Company, CBS gave Summers and the public a time frame in which to expect the show to hit the air. But due to a change in administration at CBS and in early 1982, executives ended up passing on the project, unfortunately, for Suzanne. In Suzanne Summers' 1998 autobiography, After the Fall, she said that the producers of Three's Company kept sending cease and desist forms to CBS stating that Summers could not use any of her Chrissy Snow characterization, which she said chilled the creative process. Chrissy Snow chilled the creative process. Now, Suzanne appeared in two nude Playboy pictorials, one in 1980 and another in 1984. The first set of nude photos was taken in 1970 when she was a struggling model and actress and did a test photo shoot for the magazine. She was accepted to be a Playboy candidate in 1971, but declined to pose nude before the actual shoot happened. During an appearance on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, she denied ever posing nude except for a topless photo in high society. This prompted Playboy to publish photos from the 1970 shoot a decade later in 1980. Suzanne said that the reason for taking the original photos in 1970 was to help pay for her son's medical bills from a car accident. Now, by the time the photos were released in Playboy, Bruce Jr. was 14, and Suzanne feared that Seeing his mother nude would be difficult for him. She sued Playboy and settled for $50,000, which she donated to charity. The second nude pictorial appeared in December 1984 in an attempt by Summers to regain her diminished popularity after the Three's Company debacle in 1981. Despite her anger and earlier lawsuit, Playboy approached her earlier that year to pose nude a second time. Initially, she was angered again, but eventually agreed after discussing it with her family. She felt that she would have a better chance to control the quality of the photos the second time, and having such control was an important condition that Summers attached to posing. Starting in 1987, Suzanne started appearing in the syndicated sitcom, She's the Sheriff. <gasps> I remember this show. Here's the synopsis for She's the Sheriff. Suzanne stars as Hildy Granger, a young woman suddenly widowed with two children to support. Her employment worries end when the commissioner of fictional Lakes County, Nevada, near Lake Tahoe, offers to appoint her sheriff, the job held by her husband until his death. Death. Gildy accepts the position and is forced to handle the daily problems of locals and tourists with extra trouble created by the four deputies of her staff, 
In addition, Hildy has regular battles with colleagues Max Rubin, who thinks that Hildy should not be the sheriff. Classic 80s sitcom, huh? I remember watching this. It was good. And Pat Carroll was good. You want to hear some She's the Sheriff trivia? Hell yeah. Do you know the show was originally called Suddenly Sheriff? And do you know who it was supposed to be before Suzanne Summers? Who? Priscilla Barnes, who took over Suzanne Summers' role on Three's Company. Isn't the entertainment industry cyclical? She's the Sheriff didn't really finish out, and it would go on to last for two seasons, 44 episodes. And in 2002, the ultimate ranking of the worst TV shows of all time, She's the Sheriff ranked the same number of episodes it was produced at number 44. Not as bad as Life with Lucy, though. (laughs) No, it wasn't. Now, let's get back to the episode topic that is at hand, The Thighmaster. Now, in 1991, I mentioned earlier that Peter Baylor, the infomercial guy, thought of Suzanne Somers to be the good-looking face of The Thighmaster. Byler sent Suzanne the product and then figured out the contract with her at her home in Palm Springs. And as he was leaving, she whispered to him, ASMR, this is going to be big. I'm going to make you so much money. Byler says that Suzanne was the secret to Thighmaster's success. Around the same time as the Thighmaster launch, Suzanne had just released another book, a different one, about her experience growing up in an alcoholic family. So she was just making the talk show rounds, going around, and during each interview, she would jokingly mention the Thighmaster, and this strategy ended up helping sales dramatically. Great legs. Thank you. How do you get them? I used to do aerobics till I dropped. Then I found Thighmaster. Every single time you squeeze Thighmaster, you strengthen and tone right where you need it. So it's easy to squeeze, squeeze your way to shapely hips and thighs. I thought I'd never fit into these jeans again. Thank you, Thighmaster. I recommend it and use it. We should probably tell folks the Thighmaster, if you've never seen this before, it looks like a large nutcracker. Oh, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Right? I remember, I think my, my mom had one, and I tried using it once, and it actually <laughs> slipped out of my legs and hit me in the nuts. I think my stepmom had one, and I mean, I remember like trying it, and it's one of those things where, yeah, if you don't, <laughs> if you don't use the proper... If you don't put it in the proper uh, placement or, you know, like you said, if it slips, you know, oh, yeah. you, you have to put it in the right part of your thigh. Luckily, they uh, it's in the name. You have to master yeah. it. Now, let me ask you if I can, because maybe you're, you're going to cover this, so please forgive me. Were there commercials for Thighmaster and that's what she was doing? Or was it just it was her face on the box? Or how did this work? She was a spokesperson from the very beginning, at least with it branded as Thighmaster. Now, yes, maybe they tried to sell the V-bar or V-toner, you know, before it got to Peter Byler. But once Peter Byler had it turned into the Thighmaster, he brought it to Suzanne right away. And she had been the face since the very beginning. Hey friends, hope you're enjoying the show. If you are, could you do us a favor? After you listen to today's episode, open up your podcast app and leave us a review, please. The more reviews we get, the more people will discover us, and the more people that discover us, the less lost we'll feel. You're good, buddy. It's okay. Uh, look, nothing has ever been easier to do. Just go ahead and grab a pen real quick. It's okay. We'll wait. Don't worry. Okay. Head on over to your podcast app, click those three dots in the lower right-hand corner, click Go to Show, scroll down till you see ratings and reviews, then leave us some stars and a comment or two so our parents know that it was worth all the tuition that they spent. And if 
you really love us, head on over to patreon.com and send us some money. And in return, you will get access to merch, special episodes, bonus content, pictures of me shirtless. Okay, okay. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Search This Was a Thing and help us out. But you know what? You've already helped us out today by listening to us, and we can't tell you how much we appreciate that. So thank you. Thank you. The Thighmaster hit shelves just six weeks after being seen on television. They were in countless stores all over the place. They also had a 1-800 number that was shown during the infomercial. It was very easy to get one. Within 18 months of its summer 1991 launch, they had sold 6 million units. Byler says that after that time, the product started to fade away as it became more of a fad. He says that during that 18-month stretch, things moved very quickly and it was a stressful time for him. The Thighmaster was produced in a small factory in Arizona. Byler had walked into the factory off the streets looking for a manufacturer. He showed the manager the Thighmaster and asked if they could make it. The manager said yes, and Byler ordered a few hundred. Within eight months, there were lines of Walmart trucks circling the factory, fighting for space. It got to the point where individual stores and chains were calling Byler directly, asking for product to be delivered because the demand was so high. What do you think accounted for the high demand of the thigh master because as a product i mean it's it's not i don't i don't know how maybe it is revolutionary and i just don't realize that but what was it was it her was it the commercials i was think it... it was an easy at home fitness thing that you could do and i think suzanne summers definitely helped you know sell it if the thigh master came on tv with just some random spokesperson yeah spokesperson you know great body you know like obviously okay i love this i don't think it would have done nearly as well as suzanne summers but i think suzanne summers was america's sweetheart from the 70s and early 80s and then i think like she had her time for america to forget about maybe any drama that had gone on and look to her she has this comforting vibe to her i'm also gonna guess that it's probably a piece of workout equipment that's economic in terms exact. of footprint. Yes, I meant to say yes. And I think it was only about $20 when it first came out. So for $20... So it's a couple of bucks. Mm -hmm. It's small. And you can watch TV while you're doing exactly. it. And you know what I also I noticed about the commercials? Nobody's sweating. I'm sure if you worked, uh, if you did it long enough, you know, and sure. sweat. But yes, it doesn't seem like... But she's just sitting on her sofa watching TV doing it. It seems like something that you do in, in like small increments of time. And it's not something that you go, okay, I'm going to sit down and... You can literally have it sitting next to your couch and while you're watching TV during the commercial breaks, pull out your thigh master and do thigh master for commercial breaks. You know what I mean? Mm. So it could just be. Yeah, it, it was simple. It was small. It was economical. You didn't have to go to a gym to do it. Exa oh, yeah. You could stay home. And exactly. If you were embarrassed about going to work out, which I am, I don't like going to work out at a gym because I feel like I'm embarrassed to be seen doing it because I'm just not good at it. You can do it at home. You can also do it at work. Yeah, exactly. You can do it in the car. And I'm sure that there I'm sure people. People bought a second thigh master to be doing their cubicle. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm sure bosses just, if as long as you're getting your work done, I'm sure it didn't hinder from, you know, it's like a stress ball almost, you know? Good news for Suzanne, because in September 1991, after the launch of Thighmaster, she returned to network television in the sitcom Step by Step. Step 
by Step was initially produced by Lorimar Productions, the same people behind She's the Sheriff. And also countless TGIF shows on ABC. Thank you very much. Well, yes, too, but I'm just saying that's the the, the okay, syncopation. Okay, 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 okay. Suzanne. Okay. The series starred Patrick Duffy as her new husband. It was about a blended family coming together and learning how to live with each other. It was like a divorced Brady Bunch. Exactly. Now, it was part of ABC's famous... TGIF lineup as Mr. Robert Schneider already said it lasted for seven seasons and ran 160 episodes after Step by Step she'd go on to have a short lived daytime talk show called Suzanne Summers it lasted one season in 1994 two seasons too many if you ever saw the show (laughs) from 1997 to 1999 she co-hosted the revived Candid Camera on CBS when the channel PAX renewed the series Suzanne was not part of the renewal unfortunately she was diagnosed with stage two breast cancer in April 2000 and had a lumpectomy to remove the cancer, followed by radiation therapy. But she decided to forego chemotherapy, which doctors usually prescribe. Instead, she went for a fermented mistletoe extract called Iskador. And I believe this is one of the first times people start to know about Suzanne's alternate health practices. In the summer of 2005, Suzanne made her Broadway debut in a one-woman show titled The Blonde and the Thunderbird. Do you know why it was called The Blonde and the Thunderbird, Rob? Yes, because Miss Summers came to notoriety when she was in the movie American Graffiti, and she appeared in a Thunderbird T-Bird car, and people were like, who's the blonde in the Thunderbird? It was a collection of stories about her life and career. It originally was scheduled to run until September, but it was canceled in less than a week after opening due to bad reviews and poor ticket sales. The New York Times referred to it as a drab and embarrassing display of a emotional exhibitionism masquerading as entertainment. Variety provided some of the best lines I've ever seen in a review. Self-absorption masquerading as self-exploration and self-irony, this so-called one-woman musical joyride chronicles Summer's evolution from zero self-esteem to a level that's surely off the chart, which might serve as a useful cushion when reading the reviews. Summers asks, if you have a chance to live your life all over again, would you live your life the same? Revealing that this has been an obsession for much of her 58 years. Pause for applause. Suzanne then promises and delivers the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good is the short running time and pre-10 p.m. exit. The bad is everything in between the first entrance and the final bows, except for an occasional climb into mediocrity. And the ugly? Those pants! What queen wrote that? Oddly, the moment in the show that feels truest is when near the final curtain, Suzanne wheels out a cart laden with her home shopping products, from pajamas to self-help tomes, waffle irons to cowboy boots, cover-your-butt tea shirts to lift up your butt jeans, hawking these low-rent Martha Stewart wares, the proceeds of which presumably are bankrolling the show, like a cute but crass market vendor, Suzanne reveals more of herself than any of the supposed self-dredging that's come before. An answer to Suzanne's question, if I had to live my life over again, I'd assign this show to another reviewer. These are vicious queens. Why you gotta come after her? In November 2008, Suzanne announced that she was diagnosed with inoperable cancer by six doctors, but she learned a week later 
that she was misdiagnosed. During this time, she interviewed doctors about cancer treatments, and these interviews became the basis of her book, Knockout, about alternative treatments to chemotherapy. In the book, Summers promotes alternative cancer treatments for which she is criticized by the American Cancer Society. Suzanne has also caught flack from getting behind medical treatments not approved by the FDA. In 2012, Suzanne began an online talk show called Suzanne Summers Breaking Through at Cafe Mom, a website targeted at mothers and mothers-to-be. Three of the episodes featured a reunion and reconciliation with former Cerise Company co-star Joyce DeWitt. Suzanne and Joyce had not spoken or seen each other in 31 years, and they briefly discussed John Ritter and how glad they were that they had both spoken to him shortly before he passed away. Now, here is when Suzanne gets to see Joyce for the first time. Wow, it's been over 30 years since Joyce and I have seen each other, so I have to admit I'm a little nervous. But um, let's do it. Joyce, come on out. Oh, my God. <laughs> Holy Kowski. Oh, my God. Hi, honey. Hi. I agree. Um, wow. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. You look good. You too. Thank you. So you do too. you. look gorgeous. Thank you. Thank you for creating this Very opportunity, babe. I think if you reunited Donald and Hillary, there'd be more love between the two of them than what I'm seeing right now. You know, it's funny because I actually saw... Sorry, let me go back. I think it'd be less awkward if Donald okay, and yes. Hillary got together. Yes, there's definitely, yes, less awkward. But I mean, when I saw this, I mean, it kind of like melted my heart, even though like Suzanne's a little crazy. But it's because, look, here's the thing. Yes, Suzanne went out on bad terms, but these two women had to have had like appreciation and love for each other at some point in their careers. It had to have been nice for both of these women to like have one less thing to think about. Sure. In the fall of the same year, the Suzanne Summer Show premiered on Lifetime. The show had on various guests, and they talked about things relating from health to fitness. In 2015, she was a participant on season 20 of Dancing with the Stars. She paired with professional dancer Tony Davalani. They were eliminated in the fifth week and finished ninth overall. Here's a quick interview that her dancing partner Tony did with her after the show. How's this experience been for you? I didn't know when I met you that we were going to have a major relationship. <laughs> it is it is so complex. I said that you're like my my teacher, my boyfriend, my son, my father, um, best friend, everything. It was just great. You gave me everything. And what I really appreciate is what a gentleman you've been. Let's get back to Peter Byler. He sold Ovation in 1993 to one of his partners, and then Suzanne ended up buying the rights to the Thighmaster from then. So Suzanne holds all rights to the Thighmaster at this point, it seems. The Thighmaster is still available for sale on Suzanne's website, http colon backslash backslash www.suzannesummers.com. The Thighmaster Gold is available to purchase alone for $39.99, or you can get it paired with the Buttmaster for the low, low price of $50. $99.99. Now, some other products featured on Suzanne's store are Gut Renewal Superfood Protein Formula, one bag, $44.99, Hair, Skin, and Nail Mega Kit for $199.99, or the Suzanne Organics Volcanic Charcoal Scrub and Activated Charcoal Mass Combo for $54.99. There's a great Entertainment Weekly article from 1992 about how Thighmaster had become part of the cultural lexicon. Here are some of the best quotes. 
Murphy Brown got one at her baby shower. Bernice gave them to the Designing Women gang. President Bush said on C-SPAN that Marlon Fitzwater had busted his. The Thigh Master, the exercise device that looks like a Calder Mobile, sells for $19.99 and gets promoted by the eternally svelte and sunny Suzanne Summers, 25 hours a day on cable TV, has found a home in the cultural lexicon. Recently, when a real estate developer called a woman for a blind date, he heard a strange creaking sound in the background. I hope you don't mind my asking, he said, but what is that noise? Actually, she said, actually said the flustered blind date to be, I'm using my thigh master. It's like Kleenex, says Summers, who claims she uses her thigh master at least twice a day and keeps one in her handbag, one by her bed and another in her car. It's cheap and it works. So far, sales haven't been hurt by comedians making Summers the, uh, butt of their jokes. Jay Leno stuck an orange in the middle of the Thighmaster to demonstrate the Thighmaster orange juice squeezer on The Tonight Show. Phil Donahue, the thinking man's Geraldo, wore one on his head. It doesn't matter to me as long as they mention it, says Summers. In fact, she thinks the laughter might be fitting. Maybe it's funny because our mothers always told us to keep our legs together. And this is a legitimate reason to move our legs back and forth. A Huffington Post article from 2015 mentions Suzanne talking about the thigh master vibrato, a vibrating thigh master. 68 years old at the time, Suzanne said this about the product. It's also great, I know it's weird, for Kegel exercises. Now, Rob, do you know what Kegel exercises are? I believe it's exercises to tighten a vagina. Yes, you could also tighten a rectum with it, I believe. Ah. You know to keep that muscle tight, which actually makes sex more enjoyable. So there's just a lot of uses for this little thing, she told host Nancy Red. I'm guessing little thing she means the thigh master. If you pull up on your core, if you think about it, you can keep that tight, and I think that's something that women should do for your own pleasure. Wow. Here is a little quick clip of the Thighmaster vibrato commercial. And now, Thighmaster has a surprise. It vibrates. Introducing Thighmaster vibrato with pulsating action. Woo! Oh, cool. Wow. Adds a little excitement to your workout. A tingle and a burn at the same time. <laughs> If you'd like smoother, firmer thighs, try Thighmaster Vibrato. What are the benefits of it pulsating for your muscles? I don't know, but you know what I did notice between the original from 1991 and this one is that Suzanne in the 1991 ad has a big smile on her face and she is just wholesome using her Thighmaster. In this one, Suzanne's face looks like she has that vibrato turned to on. Now, coming up after the break, I'm actually going to have Rob look at my body, and he's going to tell me if my thighs are the only thing that I need to master. Oh, I don't want to do that. Coming up after the break. This was a thing, this was a thing. And now, this is a sketch. And with that signature, I think that about does it, Suzanne. Let's make Thighmaster the workout of the 90s. I'm so, so, so excited. All righty, let me show you out, Peter. Thanks again, Suzanne. I knew you'd be a perfect fit. This is going to be so big. I'm going to make you so much money. I sure hope so, Suzanne. Jack Ruby didn't actually kill Lee Oswald, you know. 
I'm sorry, what? It's true. Jack Ruby was just a pawn. Uh, that doesn't make any sense, Suzanne. Money, money, money. Thighmaster's gonna make so much money. Yes, it is. All right, I should get going. Oh, one more thing. Don't answer any phone calls from anyone that has an Italian last name. It's something I feel very, very strongly about. Why, Suzanne? Shh. Italy was behind the killing of Oswald. I have proof. Norman fell. Show it to me. I will show it to you. Um, I got to get this contract back to the city. Uh, why don't you go ahead and keep that prototype? Hello, prototype. Your name is now Carmine. You're going to be my great friend. Thank you. This was a sketch. So the Thighmaster seems to be one of those exercise products that actually does what it's advertised to do. Pretty much all the reviews that I kind of looked at made it seem like it actually works. It toned your thighs and it's not some random gimmick that a celebrity is putting their name on compared to like other workout things that you've seen all over the years. And I think the fact that it still is available today shows that it does have some truth to its advertising. Now, full disclosure, I don't work out, but if I did, I would probably try a thigh master. Do you trust Suzanne? Oh, I trust Suzanne, absolutely. I take a couple of essential oils, and I only clean my house with Suzanne's Eco Cleaner Multi-Surface Concentrated Dilution Bottle and Spray Duo. And, goddammit, the counter looks great. It seems like a way to reinvent yourself in the entertainment industry is by putting your name on some kind of exercise fad. Suzanne probably has just been the most successful over time with it. Jane Fonda had her stuff in the 80s. I feel like probably the 1990s workout videos for Thighmaster would still be useful today. Sure, and also Jane Fonda at some point stopped. Yeah, exactly. And Suzanne Summers keeps going. Exactly. It keeps her out in the public eye. It, oh, it absolutely does. And I, it's one of those things where if I were to see a Thighmaster commercial on today, I wouldn't even think twice about it because it's just become such a part of television in the last 30 years. And it should be something that is celebrated because unlike a lot of the other fads of the past, it actually showed results and is still around, like I said and that is that says something about the product that says something about Suzanne and the fact that it works it shows credibility at least for Suzanne now I don't really say that her other products she talks about I, I wouldn't put my name behind that but thigh master I Ray Hebel would be happy to put my name behind and my thighs around so you are making a pitch to be the next spokesperson for the thigh master absolutely I mean, once I, Suzanne retires absolutely because it's one of those things where if I can just sit down and work out then I am all for it and I'd be a great spokesperson they just have to get past my man boobs okay you want to play a game absolutely this was a thing, and now it's a quiz. This is a this was a quiz. With Mark Schroeder. You guys feel that burn? Yes. Yes, but I was told that with the penicillin, it would go away within a couple of days. It oh. should. Oh, no, I was talking about... Well, forget that. Anyway, uh, thank you very much for teaching us all about the thigh master. Thank you, Ray. I love doing it. Thank you to Ray, and thank you to Suzanne Summers. Especially thank you to Suzanne well, Summers. Amen. It wouldn't be here without her. You're absolutely right about that. In fact, so much so that this game incorporates Suzanne Summers pretty significantly. She was obviously the spokesperson yes. for oh, the thigh master. God. Yes. But she's also lived a really storied and amazing life. Oh, yeah. So this game is called, How'd You Spend Your Summer, Suzanne Summers? <laughs> okay. So I'm going to list a series of events that all occurred in the same year, one okay. of which has to do with Suzanne Summers' life and career, but there are other, other events to give you context. You have to guess what year 
I'm talking about oh, based on what has happened. Wow. Okay? okay. I've got one, two, three, four, five here. We'll get going. First year, these events happened. The song Cotton Eye Joe debuts. Is this the remix? This is the OG. Okay. MTV's The Real World has its first HIV positive housemate, Pedro. Michael Jackson marries Lisa Marie Presley. And Suzanne Summers appears in the TV movie Seduced by Evil. I think it's 94, 95. I can read these again. Cotton Eye Joe debuts. MTV's The Real World has its first HIV positive housemate, Pedro. Michael Jackson marries Lisa Marie Presley. Yeah, you, like the HIV. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna say ninety five. It is nineteen ninety four. Oh, uh, you were very, very, very close. Oh, very close. Okay, this one's tough. The Cannes Film Festival debuts. Cannes, Cannes. When you guys went, what did you say? How'd you pronounce it? Uh, I love being here. Okay, the I love being love here Canis. film yeah, festival. Canis. The Cannes. The Cannes Film Festival debuts. The first bikinis go on sale in Paris. The United Nations holds the first meeting in London, and Suzanne Summers is born into this world. I want to say 47. I want to say 50, 51, 51. Let's do 50. 1946. Oh! Ooh, that was a close. Sorry, Suzanne. But we both guessed that she was younger than she is. So yeah. Like, yeah. She would love that. Okay, a little bit, little bit more recent here. The iPhone is released in the U.S., Nancy Pelosi is elected as the first female speaker of the U.S. Congress. NASA's New Horizons spacecraft flies past Jupiter on its way to Pluto. And California wildfires destroy Suzanne Summers' Malibu home. 2007. Okay. 2007. Wow. Nailed it. iPhone came out June 2007. This next year, the New York City blackout lasts for 25 hours. Elvis Presley dies. The Apple II computer is released. And Suzanne Summers is cast on Three's Company. That would be 1977. You got it. Well, strong ending, guys. Strong finish. Strong finish. And finisher. also, just to be clear, Mark, we're not really sure Elvis died. Yes. I have it in quotes. Stay on tuned. The, the card is in quotes. Yes. Ted Turner is named Time's Man of the Year. Operation Desert Storm begins. Jeffrey Dahmer is arrested after the remains of 11 men and boys are found in his home. And Susan Summers' sitcom Step by Step premieres. I want to say 90. I think it's 91. Let's go 91. It's 1991. Yes. Yeah, okay. We're three for five. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm just glad I remember my research. That was a strong, strong ending. Step by step. Day, day by day. Day by day. Mark, do you know where, do you remember the step by step intro? Yes. Do you know where they filmed that roller coaster where it's next to the beach? You know, there's that beach. Oh, I beach. know. Oh, next to the beach. Yeah, I was going to well, say something it, it, else. It's a roller coaster, and uh-huh. there's a cut of a beach hit it, waves hitting the sand. It's roller coaster. Was it a composite image? Is it it a, was shot at Magic Mountain in Valencia, oh California. Oh, my God, really? Yeah, that's wow. a white wooden roller coaster, and then they put a beach next to it. Wow, that's also where the where Wally World is. I think yeah. Wally World. Yeah, Wally World, yes. Yep. Yeah. And, and Kiss did a movie there. Oh, well, of course. Oh. Of course. I'm surprised they don't have a roller coaster named after them. Uh, that's true. It's Gene Simmons' tongue. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. that's the first drop? Yes. So it's friends, a water slide. It's a <laughs> Folks, uh, if you if you remember the Thigh Master or any great Suzanne Summer stories, if you even want to read us some of her poetry, hit us up. Ooh. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Mark Schroeder, thanks so much for another fun game. Thank you, Mark. Folks, we will see you all next time. Keep those thighs nice and firm. Till next time. I'm Suzanne Summers.
Thanks for listening to This Was a Thing, and a big thanks to the folks that keep this show running. Our editor, Daniel Cut-Cut Schwartzberg, our composer, Billy Better Than DC Reese, our social media director, Gabe Hashtag Crawford, our graphic designer, Natalie's Nothing's Too Graphic DeSavia, and finally, our games coordinator, Mark the Shark Schroeder. If you liked what we did today, make sure to head on over to iTunes to rate and review us. The more stars you leave us, the more love we feel. Hey, speaking of love, show us some social media love. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at This Was A Thing Pod and Facebook we are This Was A Thing Podcast. Reach out, we'd love to hear from you. And if you really liked what we did today, head on over to Patreon.com and become one of our sponsors and you'll get access to special episodes, interviews, and merch. That's Patreon. Search This Was A Thing and support us so we can keep doing this show. 